Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Hello, everyone. Hey, good afternoon. It's good to see uh, all of you. Uh, My name is Jordan. I wanted us to just first start by taking a deep breath together. Can you do that with me? Okay, let's do that again. Um, This time, really bring your stomach out and exhale audibly, if you would. On three, two, one. Ah, Yes, okay, that was very yoga-like. Y'all did better than the first service, not to compare, but but you did, you did. Not just because there were more of you, more of you really were audible. So I'm privileged to be here. Um, Again, I uh, am, as if you saw it earlier at the beginning of the service, if you didn't, um, my name is Jordan. Uh, My wife, Megan, is here with me. And uh, I am a youth pastor at Patmos Chapel SDA Church, which is up in Apopka, Florida. I'm there part-time, so during the week, uh, most of my work is related to an organization called the Slowing Institute, and it's like a leadership development and social innovation firm. Uh, I would say another thing to know about me, uh, the center of my attention and my wife and I's attention is our puppy, Coco, which you probably saw on the screen if you were earlier here, uh, early enough to see it there. So some years ago, I worked at Advent Health Innovation Lab. I was also there before when it was called Phil. Florida Hospital Innovation Lab, if any of you remember that. So it's possible that, even though I can't make you out right now, that I've seen some of your faces, if you happen to be at Advent Health. There I was an experienced designer, facilitator, and storyteller. And our role was to work with teams and help them tackle their hairy problems, to use some innovation jargon. But it wasn't until after I left the lab, during the throes of COVID, and I was working from home during the pandemic, that I was able to reflect and realize something, this elusive insight that was obvious in hindsight, but hard to make out during my time there. It was always the teams that we worked with that were willing to slow down in pace but not only in pace, in their thinking and in their behavior that were willing to lower ego, empathize with people they did not disagree, that they did disagree with, let go of what needed to be let go of and hold on to what needed to be held on to, to navigate uncertainty together. It was those teams that were successful in bringing about meaningful change. And so it began to make sense to me that unhurried leadership is needed. An unhurried life 
is needed. If you look around the world right now, as Pastor Ken mentioned earlier, no matter where you stand on Roe versus Wade, between increasingly polarized political views, the war in Ukraine, inflation, the pandemic, the great resignation, the list could go on and on. It's clear our globalized world has dipped into a new realm of complexity and uncertainty. And so, our world is shaped specifically by three destructive characteristics. One, unreflective speed. Dehumanizing efficiency. And three, disintegrating isolationism. We are being split into factions, siloed from one another more and more, agreeing with those we agree with staunchly opposed to those we don't. In short, we are shaped by hurry. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, which I imagine many of you have heard of, he once said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. But if the devil is hurried to the core and wishes for us to be hurried like he is in pace, in thinking, and in behavior. What does that make his opposite, his counterpart? I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, turn to Mark 5, verses 21 through 34, and we are going to look at the devil's opposite, at his greatest enemy, Jesus. Just say amen once you are there. All right. I've got it on the screen, too, if you want to follow along that way. Amen. amen. Okay. You're, you're with it now? I, hey, I don't want to rush. Yeah, yeah. It's a real knee slapper, I know. Okay. So, starting Mark 5, verse 21. So, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with them, saying, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. So Jesus went with him. And all the people followed this crowd around him, pressing against him. A woman in the crowd there had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered not just from the bleeding, but from the great deal of doctors she had seen and the money she had spent. And she was out of money and she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse but she had heard about Jesus. And so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of that terrible condition. 
But she was not the only one to notice something immediately. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in this chaotic, noisy crowd and asked the question, who touched my robe? His disciples, of course, looked at him and said, look at this crowd pressing against you. What are you talking about? How can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. What can we learn from this story? Amidst a hurried, chaotic crowd clamoring after him in the way of each other, not only physically, but mentally. On the way to heal a sick girl who was dying, Jesus was already engaged in an activity. He was led by a distressed and pleading father. And his closest friends, the disciples, were advising him to ignore this idea that someone had touched him. We have to hurry. We have to get there. You need to help this girl. You already have enough on your plate, Jesus, a full workload. In fact, you are at 150% productivity. How can you think about pausing right now? How can you think about slowing down right now in the midst of this chaos? What if we have underestimated the power of being unhurried? What if we, as Seventh-day Adventists, have underestimated the unparalleled witness of being a non-anxious presence? I've had the pleasure the last couple years of getting to know some European and Asian colleagues doing work over Zoom. And I'm amazed to see how many non-religious people are teaching the power of pausing and slowing. While we Seventh-day Adventists, we Sabbath people, tout practically the same message we've been touting since the late 1800s with very little nuance, very little texture. The Kelly brothers at Stanford D-Lab and founders of IDEO, the world's biggest design firm, say it's not what we create that matters quite as much as how we create it, how we interface along the way, how we exist in the creative process. Otto Scharmer at MIT says, solving the crises of today is all about shifting the quality of your interior condition to presence with others. My friend and colleague, Rob Poynton from Spain and lecturer at Oxford Syed Business School, he says it's all about cultivating the ability to pause, flex, adapt, and create on the needs that are emerging 
in the moment. Dr. Karen Tilstra, co-founder of Phil, many of you probably know her here, and now she's at Creativity Effect. She always would ask the question, what is really going on? And invite us to sit with it. So Jesus, amidst this hurried crowd among people and systems that were defined by hairy problems, people who were anxious and afraid, desperate to be certain and to control. He saw what no one else could see. He did what no one else could do or would do. He had noticed power had gone out from him. And the author of time itself knew there was time enough to pause, to wait, to question, to explore. Who touched me? Time enough to temporarily ignore his friend's cynicism. Who touched you? We're in a crowd. A girl is dying. We've already made a strategic decision. We gotta go. He created space. The woman that he beheld, he sought to witness her, her story, to meet her need and solve her problem. The thing is, though, the problem was already solved the moment she touched his cloak. But Jesus was not merely a human doer, but a human being. He was not married to efficiency at the expense of humanity. He prioritized relationship over transaction. It was not just about healing her. It was about being with her. This is the blend of human and divine. The son of God, the devil's greatest enemy, the author of hurry. This devil has us so unconsciously hurried in our world to the core that we struggle to really see who God is and who one another is, to behold one another in the midst of disagreement. But Jesus, while he was on this earth, was defeating the devil before he got to the cross, one present moment at a time, for he had cultivated and now had arisen to an unhurried life. In his pace, in his thinking, and in his behavior. Jesus is the Sabbath embodied. What if as Seventh-day Adventists, our scope of the Sabbath and its role in the end times has been too narrow? What if there is now new light breaking through in unexpected places, ironically from non-Seventh-day Adventist voices, in some cases, non-religious voices? What if God's word in the person of Jesus is being proved just by the creative process itself, the needs of humanity evidence who he is? What if the spirit, if we allowed our eyes to open up to what he is doing, 
What if this spirit has for us to become unhurried in this final age of a very hurried, increasingly polarized, torn at the seams world of uncertainty? And then I want to ask this, what if the Sabbath is more than just a day? A day and a verb. The Hebrew word Shabbat is actually a verb, not just a noun. An invitation to practice slowing in order to create a new. I don't know if you've noticed before, but Jesus, while he rested three days in the tomb, he only rested one full day in the tomb. From Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, the Sabbath day. In the beginning of creation, we see God bless three things. First, the animals. He says to them, be fruitful, multiply. Then the humans. Likewise, he says, be fruitful and multiply. And then God blesses a day, the Sabbath. According to John Mark Comer, author of Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says, here's what's going on. The Sabbath, just like an animal or humans, has the life-giving capacity to procreate. Jesus is the Sabbath embodied. His empowering presence has the power to generate and regenerate. For us today, what this means, it is time to stop hyperliving, skimming along the surface of life, and to allow his spirit to take us deeper. Time to realize our call for this frayed, uncertain age. And along the way, we don't need all the answers, despite our best attempts to have them. But what we do need when we don't have the answers is to become a non-anxious presence, like Jesus, in work, in life, in school, with family, friendships, everything. And the answers he has for us will come as we unhurriedly partner with him. Remember the fourth commandment, he said. What if there was more he wanted us to remember? Our founders in the late 1800s shared that the three angels' messages would again go out in the latter dark days of this earth, repeated, but this time with greater power, centered around the Sabbath. What if it's not just about the Sunday law? What if there is more to be shared? What you think about the Sabbath is what you think about God. What if a 21st century disciple for Christ looks like an unhurried leader? A non-anxious presence who slows and pace thinking and behavior to hold space for others to experience the healing only God can bring. Like a living social contagion in otherwise hurried life systems and organizations. Jesus was this for the woman who was bleeding. He was this in the midst of that 
chaotic crowd, a crowd that was unreflectively speeding ahead, cynical about pausing and questions. What good is that going to do us? But God's relationship with time and mood and tone is different than ours. Sabbath, and by extension, slowing makes us human again. It carves us into his image. So today, as we're closing, I want to just invite you to contemplate in the spirit of reflection and slowing on five questions. So if you're watching online, you can take a screenshot of these, or if you're here in person, you could, I don't know, hold up your phone and take a screenshot if that's good for you, or just think about it as we go along. First question, on a scale of one to 10, how hurried do you find yourself in pace, thinking in behavior at work? Next question, on a scale of one to 10, how hurried do you find yourself in pace, thinking and behavior in your personal life? And I'm telling you, I am hurried Just because I'm speaking on this does not mean I have figured it all out. I can assure you. What if hurried leadership, leading meaning not just do you have a team or you're a manager, no, leading yourself and others, what if hurried leadership is the cause of the crises in our world today? What if it could all be traced back to hurried leaders? What would that mean for you? What if, as Seventh-day Adventists, our scope of the Sabbath and its role in the end times has been narrow? What if it has been too narrow? And then last question for you right now. What if there is new light breaking through, ironically, from many non-Seventh-day Adventist voices? So with that... I, I just want to encourage you, um, something tangible you can do after this. There's a book, I mentioned it, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How many of you have read it before? By show of hands, one person? Okay, two, per, two people. Wonderful, go get it. It's like $15. It's a tremendous book. It's very easy to read, and the author writes in what he calls American. So simple language, very approachable, but very deep as well. And I am excited to share too, um, as Pastor and Ken, Pastor Ken and I have been working together for the last um, several months, we are launching these slow sessions. So the Slow Institute is partnering with Whole Life Church to offer this small group experience beginning on August 6th, Saturday, August 6th from 3 to 5 p.m., uh, my father-in-law, Stanton Reed, who is up front here. Many of you probably know who he is. Hey, yes, let's give a round of applause. I love it. So to me, he is Mr. Slowing, slowing in action. This is the man. Whenever he is with you, he is present, sometimes painfully so. When you're at the, the grocery store and you just want to go but he can't stop talking to the person bagging those groceries. (laughs) He is an unhurried presence, no doubt. 
he and I will be facilitating these sessions together. And each session uh, invites 12 participants, 12 only, and we're doing this once a month. Again, starting every, it'll be every first Saturday of the month, and the first time will be Saturday, August 6th. You can scan that QR code and get more information. The idea is to come together in a counter space amidst a hurried world where you can learn, listen, explore, play, create, and be. Each session will have some kind of stimulus, so he and I will bring something to, to stoke the inspiration of the group. But instead of us talking 80% of the time, which is typical in a meeting or a conference or some kind of program, we flip it. We're just going to talk for up to 20%. The 80% is all about you and conversation and where you take it. And so we are practicing uh, a facilitator um, model called responsive design, meaning we follow the participant, not the other way around. So these sessions, if you are interested, uh, the goal is, if there is a goal, is to become disciples in this modern world, in this hurried world, and become unhurried leaders along the way. So uh, with that said, if you have any questions related to that, you can talk to me afterward. You want to talk about something else? I'm available too. So is Stanton, a.k.a. Dad. And you can email me at jordan at slowinginstitute.com as well. I want to close now with just a few verses that come from the true author of Sabbath and model of slowing, Jesus, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and I am paraphrasing here. Come unto me, all you who are hurried and burned out by a complex, troubled world that overpromises yet underdelivers, and I will restore you and make you whole. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you, we come to the Father. We ask for your spirit. Help us to recognize the calling on our lives for this present age as your followers, as people who claim to have understood a specific light related to Sabbath and its function in final times. God, make us into a non-anxious presence as individuals, as groups, as whole organizations, God. Might your light go out. Might it be that it's not about our words, but someone could reach out and touch our cloak in the same way they touch yours because they just want some of that presence, which we know is your spirit, God. Be with us now. Take us forward one moment at a time in gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jordan, thank you. That was amazing. The second time around, just as good as the first. <laughs> and uh, Jordan was sharing with me uh, that this was the first time he's preached two sermons mm -hmm. in one, one, one Sabbath. Yes, one day. Yeah, first and you, time. Asked, you were asking me... How many... What's the most you've ever done? in one day? Uh, five. Wow. Um, not to brag, it was an accident. 
I, uh, I did a week of prayer at a school and I'd agreed to preach at one of the area churches. And on Friday, I thought I was preaching. And on Friday, I was informed that they were expecting me to preach Sabbath school, church, two sessions in the afternoon and one in the oh evening. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and they wanted it to be on the book of Daniel. So, <laughs> oh, no. so that was, uh, that was a, uh, that was quite a busy Friday afternoon. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, but yeah. So <laughs> what'd you think? What did I think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I think that I will eat more in the morning next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm see what we're happy to hear is you using that word next time. This is uh, yeah. Yes. I know I was blessed by this sermon. It was one that I needed to hear. Like I told first service, um, I, uh, somebody said, well, is Jordan a member at Whole Life Church? And I said, Stanton, so connection, yes. And so we're all okay with Jordan being an honorary member yes, at Whole Life, right? So yes, there we go. I accept. So this is the time where you can send us your questions. If you uh, heard something in the service that made you want to respond, that you have a question, you want to make a statement, just go to any one of our online platforms. You can go to wholelife.church and uh, put that in there, and we'd love to go ahead and talk about it. We probably won't be able to hit all the questions that get asked, but that's why we have a podcast that we do every week. It comes out on Wednesdays, anywhere you can find podcasts. It's called uh, This Is Whole Life, um, so just look that up. And so, Jordan, let's just dive right in. Uh, Andy's asking, is there a difference between being busy and being hurried? I think so. Hurried... Um so from an etymological, like etymology perspective, it comes from two different words. Shakespeare actually used it, I think, first or early on. And it comes from hairy, not hairy like the hair on your body or on your face, Pastor Ken, but hairy like H-A-R-R-Y, which has to do with plundering, ravaging, laying waste. And then the other word is a Middle English word, hurin which is to buzz rapidly or make undue haste. And I think that's, I mean, I don't want to be an insect that's buzzing rapidly. Human beings aren't, you know, meant to be that way, glitching. So I think there is a difference in really undue, undue busyness, undue haste, the quality of how we move, having work to do, having a full day, there's goodness in that because God did create work for us and he said that was a good thing. But the way we approach it and what kind of, uh, I guess, capacity we put ourselves at, that, that changes things too. Great answer. Jehemi um, is going to, I just want to, I want to say it's Jehemi, not me, because they're <laughs> going to ask you to be a little vulnerable. The, mm -hmm. Jehemi's asking, what is your greatest regret for not being there because you were busy? Wow. Oh, I'm going to have to pause and really think about that. And, and your um, wife's on the front row, so we yeah, can maybe, maybe get some second. Hmm. So... I think that with my 
my dad's side of the family. Um, I've probably not been as present as I could be. Um, and I have probably just accepted that, you know, that's the way the family moves and we don't get together that often, but um, sometimes even if we don't create a problem, it doesn't mean we can't be a part of a solution. Mm. And oh. so when my uncle Dan passed, my dad's lost a lot of family members. His, both of his parents, so both of my grandparents on his side, his uncle Dan, his brother, my uncle Dan, um, his brother Perry, my uncle Perry, a lot of loss. And I don't think I went to any of the funerals. Mm. That's, that's a regret. Just hyper-living. Well, thank you go for there. being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think we can all feel that and relate to that. Last, uh, last question, and there's actually more questions, but we'll get to those in the podcast. Give us one practical thing any one of us could do when we walk out of here today to slow. One practical thing you can do, first thing that comes to mind, turn off your phone. We talked about this earlier. Turn off your phone. I was hoping you'd come up with a different example. Because one day was... a week. I'll give you one after. I, one day a week, turn off your phone for 24 hours, stick it in a drawer, leave it. Try it once. Try it one time, see how that feels. And you will get, a, a, I guess, a, 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 a sense of how hurried you are or not. I thought you were wanting us to be a non-anxious <laughs> presence in the world. We have to go through suffering uh, sometimes uh, to get there, right? Oh, I liked you up until this point, Jordan, <laughs> up until this point. Jordan, thank you so much. We sure appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, family, I want to challenge you the way I was challenged today. We can't all slow. I think that one of the big lies that the devil tells us is that somehow if we slow, that the world will stop. And one of the things that Ken Wetmore needs to remember is that if his phone is turned off, life will go on. And there is no problem that God can't work out that only Ken can work out if he has his phone on. So I challenge all of us to think deeply about that in our own lives, huh? It's been a good, good group of speakers, huh? I've been so blessed, so blessed. Thank you to each one of them. I want to remind you um, that the pandemic stole community from us. It stole us being together and I know that it's maybe a little uncomfortable coming out in public and doing things together, but I also want to encourage you that slowing doesn't mean that you don't have community. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Slowing means you make time for people. And so one of the ways we'd like to invite you to make time for people is by joining us at the movies. We um, are going to invite you to come and watch a series of movies this, this uh, next month. Um, Joe, our, our host at the beginning, reminded me that I picked them all, so she's going to judge me based on what was 
shown, so I'm willing to accept that. Um, but we have uh, a movie every Tuesday night for the month of July, and it actually starts here in June. Um, and the first movie that we're going to be showing is one I was surprised how many people apparently haven't seen. It's called Good Night and Good Luck. Um, it's, about, it's a true story about Edward R. Murrow and his fight with Joe McCarthy, um, the senator who was um, intent on bringing a lot of people down. And so uh, I think it'll be uh, particularly pertinent to the world that we live in. When we invite you to come watch these movies, it's not just simply to watch and be entertained. We're actually going to challenge you to think about them, to think deeply about them, and to see where God is shining through in these different movies. And then on next Sabbath, I'll be talking to you. I'll be using those movies as a springboard into a biblical topic. Um, and so I think you're really going to enjoy that, and I hope you'll be a part of that. Family, I love you. Yeah, I love you. This is a world that's split. Split. The Bible said in the last days, the love of many would grow cold. Wherever you stand on whatever issue there may be, the one thing you cannot do is stop loving the person who sees it differently than you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to love better. We don't want to be part of that love growing cold. We want to be like you as you spread your arms out on the cross and said, Father, forgive. Help us to slow, Lord. Help us to slow down and be present. Help us to slow down so that we can love well. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Like I said, I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.